Welcome to Bobbles and Wizards. I'm your host, Marsha, the blogger, and I'm joined with my co-host, Logar, the barbarian. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing really good. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. We had a we had a uh, we had a game last night of of the old battle tech. Yes, how'd that go? And I've, it went well. It went well. Uh, but I, I'm relating it to everything that we're recording and talking about today because I'm seeing parallels. <laughs> <laughs> so we had at least three of us that played are kind of um, on that geek level where they're going to spend a lot of time looking at nuanced, weird game rules. Oh, right. One of the persons there was is a, is a longtime gamer in different types of gaming, so they were able to pick up well. But then we had definitely had a new person who was just new to gaming altogether. Oh. And that was quite uh, quite a bit for <gasps> most of us to take in at the beginning on how to play, because it's a very strategic war game compared to right. my usual war <laughs> And getting all of those rules at once... I feel sorry for that person. The new player just looked glossed over. And I was like, I don't know if they're getting this. <laughs> I feel like for a thing like that, you're always going to have to like teach them like as you play, because otherwise like getting bombarded with like rules for everything. Yeah. is like way too much. We're looking at Dragon Magazine number 194 from 1993. I think June of 93. So not yes. quite 30 years ago. Breaking them in, incorporating novice players into your campaign. Like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> is that the word novice is like a horse? I don't understand. Or breaking <laughs> them in. I think breaking, oh, them, breaking in them in. Is- <laughs> oh, I'm slow today. I'm sorry. I'll try oh, to keep no worries. Up. <laughs> I'm slow to say things sometimes because I'm just like, I need to load my language talking thing. And so I blah. This is talking about introducing people. Now, the first thing that comes into my mind on reading this is it's, it's introducing new people to the game, helping them understand the rules. But one of the first things that comes to my mind to, to say, that they didn't say in here uh, as a suggestion, is use a simpler system. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, second edition with, God, it mentions like having like different like handbooks for different classes. And I'm like, you couldn't put me through that. Well, they did. I, I, you know what? I've got, I think I've got all those, every single one of those class handbooks oh my God. on my wall and, and on my shelves. And I barely ever use them. And it, <laughs> it, it, those are another one of those things where I've had them. I, I never really used them. I know a few people pulled them out and, and built their characters with them back in the 90s, but I think lore in them was good. Oh, that's interesting, Dan. Was it Greyhawk in general or? I think there was different ones for different things. Like it just kind of gave a general D and D lore ish, like like oh. things for like it gave interesting approaches to different classes and all kinds of stuff. Now the 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 blue books that came out at that time from the series are GM focused books, and those are oh. solid good books you want. <laughs> the blue and that the green good. books are the ones you want. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so breaking them in. Now, they're not buying the blue and the green books if they're just playing. That's the DM side. So they're exactly. just saying, the, yeah, they're just saying the forward facing stuff. So, like, this is Dragon Mag. It is promoting Dungeons and Dragons in 1993. So they're not going to suggest to play an easier system. But my exactly. biggest, yeah, my biggest <laughs> suggestion is pull out Nave or Cairn right. or something that's easy and quick to get. Roll 36. Yeah. 
run players through something a little simpler is my first suggestion for new players. I feel like too. But they got some other good suggestions, like because I face it, I'm gonna probably want to run some AD and D, which is very complex. Wise's second edition, and that's something I've ran. So some suggestions are. Number one is set aside some time to work with the new player alone. Start the new player off by having her roll up character statistics, then let her choose a class. And it sounds like just sitting down and rolling up a character is setting that time aside. So kind of the process of rolling up the character is a learning time. Like, what am I doing? What does this represent? What does this mean? Absolutely. The first time I played um, D&D fifth edition, I had a friend who like invited me over to his house and he was like, okay, so this is like how we play. You're going to roll, going to sign these numbers to your character. You're going to like decide what skills you have. And again, very different game at this point. But I really appreciate just a chance to like explain how we'll be playing through the character sheet and like making the character and all that. Yeah, some of that stuff, like I guess, so I'll be 100%, like when it comes to talking about this, I have brought in quite a few newer players into the games over the years, but the uh, like from the perspective of just getting into it, I can't talk to that because it's been so damn long. <laughs> when I first got into it, we didn't know you had to have a dungeon master. We were just <laughs> we were very very egalitarian in how we distributed power. <laughs> power through just the going dice. for it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, setting that time, like like character roll-up time is a good time just in general to get to know your character. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, and then that's a time where you're figuring out what you can do within the game. You're like looking it up. You can do such and such, such and such. Right. And it, it's always kind of, yeah, and it's always kind of been where like you bring in the new player in, you're going to talk them through character creation, explain the game through that. Probably the best place to do it. No, for sure. Number two is emphasize preparedness. The new player must be willing to spend some time and effort to learn the rules. Now, uh. I don't know necessarily how much I agree with that. That's one of the reasons I suggest playing an easier system. Right. A, a lot of rules to get your head around. At a point, it's like, like sit down. When I tell people to play, I say, you don't have to worry about the rules. I know the rules. Most of the rules I handle as a dungeon master. Exactly. I was going to say, like, points one and three, which we'll get to in a second, I think they're good points in general. Point two is so specific to having, like, Dungeons and Dragons second edition, where, again, you have your own book for the class, you have so many, like, specific abilities. It's a lot more of a hassle, I think, as a player to know what you're doing. Yeah, and I guess guess if you're going to play, like, one of the newer games, like Pathfinder, or even fifth edition, or third edition, it probably is good to be like hey you gotta learn this because there are slightly they have a little bit more when it comes to playing them rules wise oh for sure than, yeah <laughs> like with something like castles of crusades there's like one rule you gotta know <laughs> like uh i think that that makes sense in a more robust system also kind of one of the reasons i tend to veer away from the more complicated systems at times oh absolutely I feel confident in teaching more complex systems or shipping down more complex systems that I know well. <laughs> if you don't know them, it's like, uh... yeah. If I know the system well, I and I'm confident enough to run it. I, I'm okay enough to probably simplify it for the most novice of players. We'll say exactly. Number three. I like number three, and. That's something I can do. 
Oh, for sure. It's it says assign another player to be a guide for the novice, which I really like. Yeah. And if I'm not running the game, there's definitely a way I can help another player out who's just learning like, hey, this, 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 and be able to lean over. Okay, if you're going to attack, you want to roll that 20 right there. You want to add this. And I can sit there and point to their sheet and show them till they get a hang of it. Exactly. Slowly pick up the rules. <laughs> yes. I feel like for like, again, Adian, that you really need for like all the different like minutiae you have to learn and like different like... There's also a player side procedure where you have to like do this and this and this and this. I think that some of that stuff can be, should be and can be taken back by the DM in second edition. One of those things is not not worrying as much about players using Thacko and taking it back to the AD&D way. Oh, yeah. Where just Absolutely. the DM calculates Thacko behind, you know, on his and you don't have to worry about it. Just do it how AD&D did without the charts. <laughs> right, exactly. I saw, was it this article where it says you should copy down the matrix from first edition. Yes. Because honestly, like people are argue about whether or not Thaco is too like hard or it's a subtraction, but also subtraction, subtraction is harder than addition. And so mm-hmm. like goes back and forth. But I just think even just like the mental load of like, okay, you have to like calculate this thing before you roll is like a pain. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I think that Thacko should be ran mostly DM side because no, the absolutely. old charts, yeah, the old charts in AD and D, the DM just did it exactly. But people started calculating their own Thacko and second edition <laughs> put it out. I don't know if that was the intention, was for the players to count because now you got to give the players the uh, armor classes and everything else oh, God, of the yeah. monsters ahead of time to do it. So just keep it DM side. Take a note. Have a little note card for every single person. Exactly. You know, Make it easier. This is Bob the Goblin and or Bob the well, not got Bob the Ogre because it's second edition. <laughs> he has a Thacko of and he pushes the Thacko down. Note down their hit points and stuff like that. Now that's a cool way to play is that the, the dungeon master tracks the hit points and that we did that some of the past where you don't know where you're at in hit points, you just know that you're hurting. Exactly. <laughs> Calculating the Thacko. <laughs> Then the player doesn't have to worry about any of those maths. Just tell me what you rolled and you have what their bonuses to hit are written down and they don't have to worry about it. Right. That's what I like about the free Kriegspiel. I don't speak German. Yeah. But I like how one of the big principles is that like the game, as far as like the formal rules and so on, should be invisible to the players because it kind of like gets in the way of thinking about like, what are you doing in this world like as your character? Yeah. And I, I just, when you when you remove those elements from the players doing the calculating and all that, right? like they can focus on the narrative side and you can roll. And if you know your system, you know what's going on, it's pretty easy to keep, keep that going. And to be honest, sometimes it, you don't need all the rolls. Right. <laughs> Especially in this case, like, let's be totally honest. Yeah, and like, like, like the whole idea of doing, um, um, like, like, like checks and stuff like that. Like, okay, I'm gonna do check the room for traps, or I'm gonna do a listening rule. Those rolls, like, I like the idea of the the DMs constantly rolling those if there is or not, and only the DM knows if you failed or not because exactly you don't know. <laughs> so it's that DM facing role. It kind of leads to more narrative style of play instead no, of absolutely. But then I think people have hesitancy with that kind of play. And here's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do think that there have been so I'm I'm a big rule zero person, like the DM is God, final arbitrator of the gang. Right. For a lot of reasons, like just move it along and let's go quick. Sometimes it's social reasons because we need to like maintain uh boundaries at tables and stuff as well. So there right, are a for couple sure. of reasons I like that. Also, the understanding that the GM has to be an arbitrary judge and isn't like against you. Right. That adds a lot more like neutrality and be like, okay, the point is that I'm fighting you. The point is that I'm just kind of like simulating everything else that you're doing and what everyone else is doing. And there are some DMs that I've ran under and had that are petty tyrants when they're at right. DM. Like they just want to get you like, I am the DM. Like, I don't think you get what DMing is. Like they right. somehow get a power trip out of it. That's a problem. If you got someone that's <laughs> DMing like that, Maybe they need to <laughs> not be take so some time off. Because like, maybe you need to chill a little bit. That's just my <laughs> personal opinion. I'm not here to fight the DM. We're here to have fun playing DM. Right. Uh, so if you have DMs like that and people run into it, I can see why they don't like the rule one DM is God. <laughs> exactly. On that note, with like point number two, that's actually like why I was kind of slacking a little bit. Because to me, it's like if you're the DM, I feel like you should be the one who helps out as far as like the formal stuff goes yeah. like I don't want as a player I don't want to like read like the whole book or anything to know what I'm supposed to do I feel like that's very much like if you're hosting the event which is the way I see it personally I feel mm -hmm. like you should have a big role and like helping people out and seeing what they're doing yeah it makes sense um and also like they said in here if that's a lot trying to teach somebody hopefully like our group that we play with we got a lot of dungeon masters in our group oh yeah a lot of different people play a lot of different games run a lot of different games so everybody seems to know the games fairly well there's going to be someone around there, hey let me help you out now that's that's one thing at the table when you can sit by them and point it out i don't know how that translates to digital play <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to open a private channel and text back and forth or something or, or right. something along those lines. So I think I have done that before for like a Zoom game where I just kind of like chat like, oh, here, if you want to do this, you can just do like this, whatever. Just through the chat or like Yeah, texting? through the chat. Either like through like texting, like one-on-one -on -one, or there's like a private chat on Zoom you can use sometimes. Oh, yeah. But then my always mistake is like... I keep it stuck on the private chat where I'm like trying to message like the whole group and it's like, oh God, what a mess. Yeah, I think I do stuff like that all the time. I'll change to one mode or another and forget that I had it. <laughs> I'm we're playing mostly online now. I I I I should be like after COVID, we moved all of our games online. I only have like the one in-person game regularly. We might have a second one, but like all the games I'm playing on the internet, I guess I need to get better at learning how to use some of the internet tools. <laughs> <laughs> right which is also i think it's like a whole like thing of like tech literacy where it's not anyone's like fall or anything but i do feel like it's kind of difficult if you're not used to like how do you skype call how do you zoom how do you use discord that's a big barrier of entry if like you don't know how to use it oh yeah here's my thing is i wouldn't say i'm tech illiterate um, oh no at a point in time i had to like you know learn c sharp uh, ASP, stuff oh, right. like that. So I know a computer a little bit. I was A plus certified 
over oh, 15, 16 years ago, but that translates to something totally different if you're interacting with an app that exists today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be more familiar if you showed me the code than if you showed me the interface. <laughs> right. And I'm not, to... yeah, I'm not a great programmer. At the, but... <laughs> no, I totally get that. Yeah, the interface is just like the things come up so often. No, like when it comes to playing new games, I've always been somewhat of a slow to get on because I've usually got a game I'm playing and I don't want to stop playing. So it takes me a while. I'll get a new game. I'd like to get to that in a couple of years. We finally run it a year or two. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, I think the same ways with technology. I'm already playing this. I'll get to that. I don't have time right now to keep up with it all. Right. Because it's so much time just to like learn something new, which I feel like is very underestimated as far as like time, effort, and so on. Because it costs a lot, I think, to get started something new. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why you have the person there beside you that knows it to help the newcomer to get in. We're going way over time about it. Oh, whoops. (laughs) If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. Marsha, what's your blog? My blog is chiquitafajita.blogspot.com and my Twitter is Traverse Fantasy. You can can find me on Twitter at LogarHillCrom. We have a Patreon. We could really use support. Patreon.com backslash Wildliesandwizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.